welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly brought to you by Amazing Stories Comics and Dragon's Den's Games of Saskatoon. Hey there, welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And on this episode, I'm going to talk about Euphoria. And I'll be talking about Wingspan. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is proudly brought to you by Amazing Stories in Saskatoon. If you're in the Saskatoon area, come by the store for Friday night games and play and receive 20% off your purchase of any board games in the store. Amazing Stories is winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Retailer in Canada and nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Welcome back to Cardboard Conjecture. Hey, uh, I, I, you know, as much as I try not to laugh at the at your little joke on the end of the dot tag, um, I couldn't hold back on that one. That was too funny. Uh, I got to keep you on your toes. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, let's start this episode like we usually do, um, and like pretty much everybody does. Um, what like what what was going on? Would you play? Oh, what have we been playing lately? Well, I recently acquired some Marvel Legendary. For the second time. <laughs> oh, the, you added more? Well, no, because I owned Marvel Legendary oh, that's right. quite no, a I long got that, time ago. I got mixed and, up with the, the Marvel... The, oh, Champions. Uh, the Champions, yeah. Okay, so right. yeah, Legendary. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I've been playing, playing Marvel Champions too. <laughs> but Marvel Legendary, I just recently reacquired. I traded it away a while ago. Can't reason, don't really know reason why I traded it away. Then a good friend in our group, Jordan, had his collection on 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 the local classified Kijiji ad. And I couldn't pass up the deal. It, it wasn't a great deal. So uh, we've been playing a lot of that lately. <laughs> and, Did you uh, buy it because you like it or because it was like, oh, that's an awesome price point? Probably the latter. <laughs> <laughs> but then we've been playing it with, uh, Jen, my wife, and I forgot actually how solid of a game this is. Mm-hmm. It's a really solid deck builder. We've been playing through the base box, so we've been we've played against all of the villains and various scenarios. I would say about a handful of the scenarios where we've been winning and some losing, but no, it's been really good. I forgot how good of a deck builder it was. Cool. Yeah, I have the game too. It's it's loads of fun. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to acquire some expansions. <laughs> yeah, for those who, from you. Yeah, uh, for those for those who want to know the backstory to that. Yeah, he's fleecing me out of my expansions, and I'm thinning down my my uh, games. It's it's this uh, it's this purging I'm trying to get, accomplish. Yeah, well, it must be like a winter the, thing, right? <laughs> with the collection that I have purchased from Jordan, um, so it had the base box, four of the big box expansions. Secret Wars 1, Secret Wars 2, World War Hulk, and Dark City. <laughs> and it also had four of the little box expansions. Yeah. Um, as well in it. And I was, oh, 
there's so much content, so much goodiness that we can just uh, explore. And a game doesn't take very long of Marvel Legendary. Like you're playing in under an hour. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the um, uh, you let me know what you think of noir. Yeah, because that had kind of that daredevil. Well, and it's um, that side it's that, scheme stuff. It's the theme. The themes this uh, this kind of like a, you know 1940s detective story kind of kind of right. You know, dark noir film noir kind of thing, right? Cool. Which is really cool. Um. Uh, well, yes, we've been playing legendary. My uh, oh, see, I, I don't know. I I have that. It's awesome. But my uh, recently was uh, Fleet the Dice Game. And mm. um, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the uh, of the card, you know, the regular fleet and the uh, Arctic Bounty, I believe, expansion. And uh, when I heard Fleet the Dice Game is coming out, I thought, uh, cool, I'm going to get it. So I kickstarted. I think I've got uh, one of the one of the uh, proud stickers on the inside of the box that it was uh, the one of the first thousand people kind of thing. Um, now it is a roll and write, but it's really cool to the fact that it it um, I liked um, what's the uh, what's the German one um, uh, um, uh, uh, the the very the, the <laughs> what's that Gangshan uh, clever yeah Gangshan clever very clever very clever yeah und clever um, uh, it's basically that engine mechanism with a legitimate theme on it right um two phases to the game the first phase is the fishing uh phase where you'll roll the fishing dice and of course you um and how the 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 process goes it's a very cool draft process where the active player gets you know rolls the the uh, inventory of dice and then and then gets first pick of it takes the dice completely out of that market and then around the table everyone picks and then the last one everybody gets which is uh very reminiscent of um, uh, La Granja, like the, mm. the siesta, uh, even in the La Granja mechanism of uh, the dice mechanism in the game. And then their dice game version was you take a dice and then you reduce that market. Um, now that, that first part, the fishing part or the, 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 the fish dice is for you to decide um, out of five different boat types that you want to go for. And uh, as you progress down that, um, I guess, I guess checklist, you like, like, uh, you start to create cascade scenarios that are pretty cool. Um, and then on the second side of it is you have the market dice where you get to, uh, do the buildings, you get to get specialized boats, you get to, um, do, uh, coin actions. And so it's a two phase part to this game. It plays in 10, uh, 10 turns, I believe. And, um, yeah, as as far as duplicating what I love about the engine building in the card game, this dice game is phenomenal. I mean, you you haven't played it yet. You've got to play it. Oh yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for a decent roll and write. Yeah, we did uh, three players, and I think we cranked it, cranked it in in under forty minutes, easy. Right, right, and that was like the first play teach. And once they, I mean, once you get that first turn couple turns down then you go okay i got this figured out and then you just lock into your uh lock into your dice choices and then of course like any dice drafting or any kind of drafting game you you can hate draft a dice away from somebody too <laughs> you don't like that doing that at all well you know what <laughs> maybe i grew up in a passive aggressive household i don't know i'm not sure 
So, um, you know what? You talk about what we, uh, what we did for the first uh, thing we did this weekend. Oh, that thing we this, did. This was all... The first ever thing. Oh, yeah. You, you basically... That we, did, that we just kind of just think through together in oh, like man, less than it's a like, week. I was going to say, you got the ball rolling, but you just didn't get the ball rolling. You pushed it off the edge of a ravine. And it was like, <laughs> all right, keep up with it. Okay, sure. Yeah, we can pull this off. Let's do this. So, yeah. yeah. So, we hosted the very first over cardboard conjecture cardboard retreat. Did I get that right? The alliteration alliteration. The cardboard retreat. Yeah. Where we're looking at hosting um, various locations, probably across Saskatoon. This first one we held hosted at Amazing Stories because it was um, so short notice. But we decided we were going to host. We're going to host a retreat, hopefully, once a month. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, we, we we tried it. We tried it this uh, this month. We're going to take next month off, of course, because December it's crazy amongst everything. So. And, yeah, and people hope. who have kids know exactly what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. And so what we're trying to do is we're going to try to showcase a bunch of games, um, either by a single publisher or a single designer. Yeah. And so for the first one, the one that I'm the most comfortable with is that we did a retreat all around Stonemeyer Games. And you can even, you can even pump up the fact that you're like uh, an ambassador. You got like uh, a t-shirt and everything, man. I got the Stonemeyer t-shirt. <laughs> I'm on the ambassador mailing list. I've done play testing on some of their digital apps. Like I'm play testing um, Charterstone Digital right now. Or, you, did, yeah. you didn't tell me that. Dang, nabbit. Oh, yeah. It's been, it's been very hush-hush. Haven't talked about it <laughs> a lot lately. Oh, wait. Do you have to erase my memory now? Sure. Stare, okay. and stare into this red light. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm back to Mommy Dearest again. Okay. Yeah, so we hosted... Stonemeyer games. So we played Scythe. We had a, about a six, we had a six player game of Scythe going on in the morning. Um, I sat out, I just taught the game. Um, everybody except for two people at the table had played Scythe before, which was awesome. Then they kind of brought in their knowledge and their strategies to help out the new guys. And I kind of sat with them and coached them through their probably their first five or six turns and kind of let them loose and discover the game on their own. Scythe was a huge hit. And of course, I've got the super deluxe-ified, everything upgraded. Neoprene mat. Neoprene mat, the meeple-sourced meeples, the metal coins, the... And didn't uh, Adam bring his painted uh, mechs? No, those are my painted mechs. Are those your... Oh. Those are my painted mechs and characters. So, uh, oh. yeah, it's, it's super, super nice looking. <laughs> Even to I the like... point that my, my, my friend Lane that came... Your He's reaction like, to that statement was just like, whoa, 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 step back. No, 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 no. It's no, mine. No. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Lane, he's like, wow, the production of this game, it's through the roof. I'm like, hold back. Not all of this comes if you just buy it off the shelf. It doesn't look like Yeah, this, this isn't the Target special, man. <laughs> nope, they had an awesome time with that. While they were going, when you kind of swung by the store, we ended yep. up playing some wing. I taught you his wingspan. Yeah, we're going to talk about that later. That's one of our feature review games today. You bet. Um, afterwards, we had a group got to play Euphoria. That's also another reason why we're going to be discussing Euphoria later. And it's because it's an awesome game, man. Awesome game. We, we just ran at it, and we ran at a time. We wanted to play a game of Tapestry because not very many people play have played tapestry in our community yet so 
we just kind of ran out of time, but I'm sure they're going to want to play that at some point. And I've talked it up and had it laid out on a table, even so that the magic, the gathering players, they're coming in to do their draft that afternoon. Oh, cool. I had it, I had it set up and a whole bunch of them were just gathered around the table. They're like, look at this thing. This, this thing is awesome. This looks well, amazing. And to pull their attention away from their thing. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, there's like, and what they're like, what's this thing that's going on? I'm like, oh, we're just kind of showcasing a couple board games and stuff like that. They're like, this is really cool. Nice. But then they got, then they went back to magic mode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have so many jokes in my head right now. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that I don't play that genre of game anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's well. You know what? Everybody talks about like the lifestyle game, right? So I mean, for us, it's it's this whole gamut of board games, right? So that's got, right. We got nothing to talk about, right? Um, cool. I think. Yeah. Um, and for like I like I said, how how the inception of this came about. I mean, we had talked about the idea of doing this, and then all of a sudden, you came out of the gates and went, "All right, here's the date. Let's do this." And of course. I mean, I, I'm an old improv guy. I never say, I never block an idea. It's like, okay, let's do this. And uh, so like we just had, I, I, I would call it a tight Saturday schedule. Um, yeah, it was pretty tight. We had about there, I would say eight people, eight people came out. Yeah. And from uh, I think 10 to four. Yeah. Yeah. We went and we played games right from 10 to four. And I think, and, yeah. I think um, my my take on this is because uh, for for the you know two or three people listening, um, and Ian, you already know we're teachers, uh, but Ryan and I are teachers, so we always like to make sure that the format makes sense, the purpose makes sense, how we you know go about it, and to do to start off with like a smaller kind of you know tight event to me makes sense and go okay, all right, now we've kind of an ability to like a lesson plan, right? It's like tweak out the, the things that work and, and modify the things that aren't clicking like they should. So I think expanding the day on the next one would be awesome. And I really know that I want to have, I mean, we finished um, our first one with Stonemeyer games and I already want to be like, Oh yeah, the next one, next Stonemeyer, you know, cardboard retreat. I want to play tapestry. I want to play, you know, viticulture. Mm -hmm. I want to, there's so many games from that publisher that I just wanted to play at the same time. Right. Yeah, so like the real showcase this past time around was just Scythe, Wingspan, yeah. Euphoria. But yeah, like we said, that just gave us a taste. But like you said, we're going to be tweaking the format yeah. a little bit. Probably try it. We're still going to be quite involved with it, but try to get the more community involvement, like try to get some more hosted. Like, uh, well, we can actually say this. Uh, the next one we're going to be having yeah, is, in absolutely. Jan is, is, is in January, at the end of January, January 25th, actually, to be exact. And we're going to be featuring capstone games on this one. And what we're going to try to do is, yeah, you're passionate about capstone games. I'm passionate about capstone <laughs> games. There's other people that I know that are passionate about capstone games. Try to bring their perspectives and their passion for the games and have them host some games as well. Yeah. Rather absolutely. than all, not always us, which would be, I think it's going to be really cool. I've just posted up the event um, all over Facebook and Twitter this morning. Yeah. And so hopefully we get a, a little bit more than a week notice. We're going to get like a two month notice here. Yeah. Well, and I mean, 
um, we, we made the decision on capstone and, and it was like easily both of us like, yeah, yeah, that's a perfect one. We went through the list and combined, I, I think we have like, <laughs> like we have a good 80 chunk. to 90% of their titles, just you and I. So, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a good, yeah, we have a good chunk. Like yeah. I know I will be, I want to host a game of Arkwright. <laughs> I, 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 I love that game. Awesome. And I haven't nearly played enough, so I want to showcase that one. Uh, another one that I want to showcase is Pipeline. Mm-hmm. I've, I haven't played that one. I'm so dying to play that one. Yeah, yeah. and then they like they're simply complex line. Like those games, you can play. They they they're not long games. Not, well, they're not like yeah, like arc right? No, they're like under an hour games. They could be the filler games in between the you know the big games of the capstone stuff that we play. So or just have, like climbers, you could just have that set up all the time. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna work out the details with this yeah. one. Um, I'm quite excited for that one. And then I I just messaged you a list of possible retreat topics themes. Oh, absolutely. Let's let's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm this morning, like I mentioned, like maybe having a uh, a Stefan Feld day. Yep. Or a Reiner Kinizia day. You said yeah. Martin Wallace day. Yeah. Um, I even threw together the idea of having one of those. Uh, uh, I said Roxley. game. Oh, Roxley games. Yeah. yeah. Having Roxley games day. They have fantastic products. Well, they and because together, they're like, province over from us too. So there's good proximity with that. And I even threw together, um, say, a Gameland Games day, yeah. which they have all those tiny epic, the whole was, tiny epic series. I, I had to look up, I, I looked at that and went, what? So I had to look it up and go, oh, the tiny epic stuff. Okay, yeah, for sure. You just kept tiny epic Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, yeah so we, got, we got some ideas uh, in, in the works here. And I hope this turns into a regular thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, this, might, this might be even be our stepping stones into actually hosting a convention. Ooh. <gasps> I just got shivers. Yeah. Say it again. Mufasa. Mufasa. Yeah, but that's like uh, that's that's like long way down. Oh, I'm, I'm content. Oh you know what? I'm so content oh, I li- on just doing these little retreat things because absolutely. Yeah. Come on down to Dragons Dens Games in Saskatoon. Let Darren Al and the staff help you out. They carry board games. They have an amazing selection of role-playing game systems from D&D 5th Edition to Kids on Bikes, as well as an excellent selection of your favorite miniature game systems, figures, and accessories. Check out the Facebook page and website for new releases and a list of scheduled events. And we're back. Let's talk about our deep dive games. Our Stonemeyer special. The Stonemeyer special. All right. Um, I realize we haven't, for as much as I'm a fanboy of Stonemeyer games, we haven't featured a Stonemeyer game on the podcast. What? Like as, like as a deep dive review. Ever? Ever. No. No, I, 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 went, I went back to our episodes, through our episodes, because I'm like, I got a feeling that we've talked about Euphoria before and that we've talked about these other, like Scythe, but we've only ever just mentioned them like as a game we've played. We've never done a deep dive review of a Stonemeyer game. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling so Canadian right now. S- sorry, Jamie. Sorry, 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 Jamie. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing a piss poor job <laughs> <laughs> of being an ambassador. Now I have to say sorry for the foul language. Okay. Oh, sorry. Right. Oh, right. sorry. There, there, 
there's my one there's my one drop <laughs> for the episode <laughs> yeah a little yosemite sam moment ratching scratching rat, tricking, <laughs> hey well um uh please you- put that please put that in as like a as like a sound effect over top of my bad language <laughs> <laughs> ah, i hate you rabbit <laughs> Um, uh, uh, yeah, you can't tell I grew up li- watching Looney Tunes, man. Oh, who didn't? Nah, you know what? Um, I'll take point on this because, um, my caffeine. I had that in my notes that yeah. you were going to take point this time. Uh, cause my caffeine's going to wear off pretty quick here. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I have the pleasure of, and I've had this game in my collection for, this is like one of the originals in my collection. Um, Euphoria, build a better dystopia. You're the one who turned me on to this game. Oh, yeah. Initially in the very, first, in the very beginning. Yeah. No, I, there's so much that we could talk. Well, yeah, we'll get to that in the conclusion part. So, um, I, yeah, like we do, we talk about the, uh, the game. So this is uh, um, Stonemeyer publisher. Um, I believe this is uh, Jamie Stegmeyer and Alan Stone um, designed, uh, co-designed. And uh, plays two to six players. Right, Kate. I like how the uh, they have approximately 60 minutes. <laughs> That's like speed limit in Canada. It's approximately. <laughs> no. I have yet to play this game in 60 minutes. <laughs> well, okay. We, we, in the conclusions, we can talk about that whole time aspect because this is one of those, one of those AP trigger games, right? Um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, I believe this was... 2011. I don't have the specifics on that. And I know that there's not that many people that are going to be all up in arms right now who listen to us. Maybe two people. <laughs> okay. I'm so, one of them. You're one of them. <laughs> yeah. And I get, bet you any money you're looking it up right now. So I'm pulling it up right now. <laughs> so uh, the backstory, I love this part in the, in the rule book. They actually take the time for the thematic uh, uh, context and relevance to uh, give us a nice backstory. So it's, it's well-written, so I shall read it for you. The world as we know it has ended, and in its place, the city of Euphoria has risen. Believing that a new world order is needed to prevent other, another apocalypse, the Euphorian elite erect high walls around their golden city and promote intellectual equality above all else. Gone are personal freedoms. Gone is knowledge of the past. All that matters is the future. The Euphorians aren't alone. Outside of the city are those who experience the apocalypse firsthand. They are the memories. They have the memories and scars to prove it. These wastelanders have cobbled together a society of historians and farmers among the forgotten scrapyards of the past. There is more to the world than the surface of the earth. Deep underground lie hidden, the hidden city of Subterra, occupied by miners, mechanics, and revolutionaries. By keeping their workers in the dark, They've patched together a network of pipes and sewers, of steam and gears, of hidden passages and secret stairways. Hovering above the world are the mysterious Icarites in their zeppelins, luring citizens up to the clouds with promise of eternal bliss. Four distinct societies, each of them waiting for you to rewrite history. (laughs) Waskawee wabbit. Um, (laughs) What are you willing to sacrifice to build a better dystopia? Isn't that such a colorful intro? Just I love, I love that. So um, the object of this game, Euphoria is a worker placement game where dice are your workers. Right there in that sentence, I am sold. 
Uh, you love dice. Oh and yeah. You love it when you can use them as your workers. Like this is, this is, I think this is the epitome. This is the moment in time where Norm discovered what he really enjoys in a game. Dice don't really hate me. Not in this game. So the number of each dice represent that's workers' knowledge, uh, which you will compare to the knowledge of other players' workers throughout the game. The more you send your workers throughout the city and the more workers you add, the more they discover about their twisted society. If they learn too much, they might desert your cause. You also have a few elite recruits at your disposal, one who has pledged allegiance to you and the other who has yet to be convinced. You can inspire and use that uh, reticent recruit by researching certain milestones in the game or by letting other players unwittingly reach those milestones for you. Your path to victory is paved with the sweet, or sweet, haha, <laughs> the sweat of your workers. Uh, no, that we won't get into any jokes there. Um, <laughs> the strength of your allegiances and the tunnels you dig to inf infiltrate other areas of the world but the destination is a land grab in the form of area control. You accomplish this by constructing markets that impose harsh restrictions of personal freedoms upon other players, changing the face of the game and opening new paths to victory. You, oh yeah, you got a story about this one, don't you? Hmm. Uh, you can also focus on gathering artifacts from the old world, objects of leisure that are extremely rare in the utilitarian society. The dystopian elite covert, or sorry, covert, I can't read right now, the dystopian elite covet these artifacts, especially matching pairs, and are willing to give you tracts of land in exchange for them. The game ends when a player has placed all 10 of his or her authority tokens. Uh, uh, at that point, the player wins. So that is the overview introduction. Let us move on to, um, like you just said, the, the, the mechanisms or the game system, and that's that that dice worker placement that is so much fun. So cool. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's, it's like any typical game that's a, that's a worker placement kind of resource, uh, upgrade your stuff, uh, accomplish certain uh, um, criteria, hidden agendas um, by like acquiring um, your standard re, um, commodities and the commodities that we're talking about are energy, water, food, and bliss, which represent those in the backstory, represents the farmers, the Icarites, the, the Euphorians. Um, then, like every other good resource thing, is you have to do a worker action to upgrade that to your resources, which are your gold, stone, and your clay, which are necessary for building the markets, which mm. I can't wait for you to talk about your whole game-shattering market discovery. <laughs> um, and and um, so those are the, the, two, um, the, the two kind of main um, engine generators for your dice or the areas that you could put your dice on are those, like I said, those four uh, um, commodities, energy, water, food, bliss, and the, the um, subsequent resources connected to those. Um, each of those fact four factions have this allegiancy track marker which is awesome because it connects to at the beginning of the game everybody's dealt these recruit cards that are uh, special individuals with special powers which takes this game which is already awesome into this really cool asynchronous um kind of not like extreme asynchronous but enough to give you an extra little 
you know, cylinder on that engine or a little NOS kit that you can play around with on your engine. Um, but what is critical with those is those recruits on the allegiance track that gets pushed up as you use all these different uh, uh, commodities and these factions um, will allow you to get, if you have a recruit, uh, let's say of the Icarates, you get double the bliss when you go or that you trigger um, the hidden recruits to come out. And if you could push these four different tracks far enough to level four, you get to put, and, uh, and for those people who have played Scythe before, you get to put a star on the board, right? And uh, when I played Scythe and I saw that, I went, oh, I like that already because this is, comes right, you know, straight from Euphoria. This is awesome, right? Um, so that's that whole idea of this game is that Scythe uh, um, uh, star system is putting those, those uh, uh, um, achievements on the board. Yeah, and he, and, he, and he borrowed that mechanism for Scythe from Euphoria. Yeah. Euphoria came out way before. Yeah. So yeah, you could see that, that, that fingerprint totally in sight from that. Um, the artifact cards are cool um, for the simple fact that those turn into uh, um, combined mechanisms to get uh, resources and to be able to put these stars down on the board. Um, the cool thing about this that I like too is that you have a knowledge track and a morale track. And the morale track is obviously your, your kind of your, your community's morale. But what the morale does is allow you to increase your hand size of these artifact cards. And as we said, these artifact cards can become an integral part of your engine. Um, right. So you have to pay attention to that. But what I love the most about this game, and I think, I think it's going to be my that you know we talk, always talk about the unique mechanism that's our our shtick for this and i think the unique mechanism for me i'm going to call it the the logan's run mechanism is that if the knowledge track climbs if the collective knowledge of your workers climbs too high when you roll those dice as you get them your worker pool if they get too smart they run away they start your workers start to become too enlightened and go whoa 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 well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. And they just leave you and you lose your workers. Now, the cool part about like every good worker placement game is I'm thinking Stone Age. Where's the tent? Where's the mating <laughs> tent, right? Every good worker placement game means, hey, I need more workers. And the way that uh, the thematic approach to bringing the workers in is so cool. If everybody you know knows their sci-fi is... <clears throat> There's, there's the shock therapy way of, of shocking that clone into, into existence, which requires um, three energy resources. But by doing so, and I love this thematic connection, by shocking that guy, your worker, into your workforce, um, he's, his knowledge is affected and reduced. So you kind of bring this guy in by shocking him and dumbing him down right away. Yeah, so that knowledge track goes yeah. down, I think, like two, two points. Yeah. And then, of course, the alternate version uh, is the is a nice warm water bath where you have you know, the hydration, the hydration one where you give three water and the morale goes up because you're not, you know, bringing this clone into this very, you know, shock therapy way of existence. It's very kind of, you know, midwife kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, to me, that's that's uh, this the, and the whole thing it just revolves around. Um, 
kind of, I would say there's that push your luck element in regards to do I, because when you call back your workers, you got to roll those dice and do that knowledge assessment right away. So you might not want a whole pool of workers. You might, might want to, them to stay on the board. And I don't know, I'm going to put this question out to you. If you've ever seen another game that pushes dice out and puts them back into the, cause so if I have mm. a, if you have a dice on the board and I want to take your action and there's a dotted line around it, I can push your dice out to take that action. What you are required now to do is you have to roll that dice, put them into your pool, do that knowledge assessment. So there's a, interesting strategy to that so if i see that you have you know a, a five and a six in your pool and i see that your knowledge track is pushing it i'm going to try and bump you out so that you have to roll that dice to put it into your pool to test that rule on you know 16 or lower in regards to your combined pip value and i could actually make you have to you know lose a worker and go back to the drawing board to get the resources to get another worker out so there's I don't know if it would be a, a cutthroat aspect to it, but right. there's a strategic choice there to make in regards to slowing your game down just as much or as speeding my game up. Even on that note too, um, I want to take the action that Norm's at that might require me bumping him out, which he may not have any dice in yeah. his pool. And if I bump out his dice, he gets to take another action with that dice. He doesn't have to waste a turn. You have to waste a turn to bring back dice workers into your pool. So by me bumping out Norm could give him another action, which could give him the ability to complete a market space or Absolutely. Give him some more resources to take another action in the future. So even though it might be beneficial for me, I got to also assess that situation of, am I giving my opponent another turn for free? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, and you know what? I mean, that could be considered a unique mechanism as well, because that is so strategic, you know, to the game. Yeah, it, a lot of games, a lot of worker placement games do the uh, the bumping where the, the the space is not locked. Yeah, you can go and you can bump a worker out willy willy nilly. Yeah, I like that this one has potential consequences. And now these and, are on unique spaces because the the commodity spaces are all pooled. Like they're and now there's an interesting thing too to the to the commodity spaces is that there are three levels of, of, of resources. Benefits. Yeah, benefits that you can pull depending on the combined pip value of the collective uh, dice in there, M meaning mine, yours, and somebody else's, or, right? So um, there's, there's that aspect too uh, in regards to the strategic approach to you know, your gameplay. Um, but yeah, that's, I think those are the nuts and bolts before we get into this whole uh, um, uh, opinions and conclusions. Yeah, and I, and I like the fact too that the, uh, the three factions that are kind of like on ground level, the Subterras, the Wastelanders, and the, well, the third one's, been, but then there's the, then there's the Icarites above yeah. And they have oh, you mean the market. Euphorians, yeah. Okay, and then the Icarites, yeah. The, and the, the Icarites are above with the, with the Bliss. And though they have market spaces already unlocked. Oh, yeah. And their actions are amazing. Well, they, that if you get an engine going, oh, that's in conclusions. Yeah. But, uh, but, but those, those spaces are pretty, pretty darn cool. Well, before we jump across to conclusions, um, let's touch base on the markets because we didn't really, I mean, they were mentioned, they were, they were noted, but 
there's a whole pile of different market tiles. You only need six, which is to me right away, good variability. Oh, and, um, yeah. Cause we, <laughs> there was a market tile that came up in the game that we oh, played on Saturday that yeah. <laughs> really had me going. Um, so the, uh, the, the, the market strategy of the game too is, is, is deep. I mean, there's, that's, I, I like to consider that market like the phase two of the game because phase one is getting that resource engine kind of humming. And then to me, phase two is now let's take those uh, resources and start building markets and participating in that. Because if you participate in a market build, you get to put an achievement star down. So there's, there's that whole, like when we played max player once, um, we were at, uh, yeah, we were at max six players. And sometimes like in in a turn, a market can get built without you being able to jump in on it and get a star. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then once that market's built, there's there's a penalty rule assessed to everybody who does not have an achievement star on that market. And which is so cool. Because like, and like you that. said, yeah. and like you said, as soon as somebody contributes to a, a market, it becomes a mad rush. They're like, hmm. whoa, whoa. Like as soon as like one stone gets put in the market and all of a sudden it's like, well, I need to be in on that too. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, it's like a Christmas sale, right? If, if you were the person <laughs> behind that person that initiated, you're like, just like you said, what's going on? The way of, whoa, 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 whoa. And now yeah. I've missed out. Now, and I've missed out. And now I have that negative penalty. Oh, yeah. But I mean, you can, you, but you, you can, can negative, reduce. Yeah. You can like, reduce that because yeah. you can now take the action of, Spending the three, but you have three. to spend the three artifact cards, or in the fight, the rare situation where you have a pair, a pair counts as yeah. three cards. Yeah, but you have to take that action. But to that's put a, a star on there. Yeah. That is, I mean, in itself, that's a penalty for not participating in the build right there, because it takes a lot to get those cards, and it takes a lot to get the, the especially if you didn't resource. have if you didn't have cards in hand. Oh, and then of course it's like, oh, well, how do we get cards? Oh, my morale is too low for me to have a hand. I got to get that up. So it's just this luscious, don't intricate. get caught like in, in those cert, those circumstances. Oh, okay. You have to, you have to be on a swivel on this no. game sometimes. Okay. So um, let's, let's get into the, uh, let's get into the, the conclusions. Let's go the outside in and, um, the starting with the box cover i mean it's it's got the funkiest colors that uh i mean it's got like like bold yellows and oranges and punchy punchy colors and the board's nice and punchy and and it's it's so surreal which works with this idea of you know this divergent kind of society so yeah the the art has a presence oh yeah when you see, when you see the, the because it's not an overly large board. Like it's not an overly large um, footprint of, of a game, but it, yeah, like you said, the colors make this thing pop. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, the board box, everything's awesome. Um, inside the box, next thing, rule book. Um, I love this rule book. It, it, I mean, like I just said, as far as like uh, uh, an interesting narrative or, you know, flavor text read. It was awesome. Um, the rule sets are nice and clean. They're, they're laid out in such a nice logical manner. Uh, the ability to find um, particular sub rule kind of uh, uh, criteria. Which is, 
which is really good because I got caught a couple times while I was teaching this, um, some terminologies yeah. um, on some of the, uh, what are they called? The recruits yeah. cards. Some people had, well, what's the timing of this particular effect? If this happens, I've just like, just consulted the rule book and everything, every case that they could throw at me, I could just have a quick scan 30 seconds, 30 seconds later, I had an answer for them. Cause like, yeah, I forgot that yet yeah, this order of operation happened this way. It's laid out great. Yeah. Yeah. And so to me, that says that there was a lot of attention done in the playtesting and the uh, interpretation of, of this game in its production process. So yeah, that to me, that's great. The, 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 the rule book is so integral with, with the success of a game. <coughs> Pardon me. Now the components, I have, I have nothing bad to say about the components, nice thick cardboard, good chunky, you know, components. Wooden bits. Yeah. Wooden bits. And we don't, and we don't even have the deluxe Kickstarter edition because this was one of the first Kickstarter games that Stegmeier uh, had 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 made, and there was so there was a Kickstarter like deluxe edition out that that's out there. Say what? And oh yeah, but I, <laughs> they're they're hard to find. Like, say, they're super. Say what? <laughs> How did you not know this? Oh, no, <laughs> but, I got to go chase some unicorns. All right. But I'm fine with this. But though. the production quality on just a retail edition. Now the new retail editions that just came out, man, because they've got those game trays inserts Oh, in, a, in, the, in the new editions when you buy it off retail. Well, um, and I, if and you sorry. have an older edition like, like, like we do, you can go on Board Game Geek and buy that game trays insert if you if you ever wanted to that but, sounds like a taunt but <laughs> if you're gonna go out and pick up this game off the shelf right now like it the production quality is fantastic oh yeah yeah i mean if that's the case of what you get now yeah it's absolutely you get what you pay for um <clears throat> does uh moving on to uh um does does this whole does this whole thing work together and I mean, I've used the term um, Logan's Run, right? I mean, to me, this is that whole that whole dystopian society of uh, you know uh, what, what's the other movie, uh, The Island, that Ewan McGregor movie, The Island, where it's clones that are that are used for organ and and uh, you know biological harvesting, and there there's so many if if you know that movie, there's so many kind of thematic parallels. And Logan's run and the island into this game that, that to me, um, is such a wonderful blending of mechanism and theme. Yeah, this is a, this is a great um, example of the mixture between a euro, and a th and a thematic experience. Yeah, this is like a good halfway point. This is a beautiful hybrid. Yeah, because at its core, this is a euro game. You're you're on the race to score ten points. Yeah. Which points in this case are just those uh, achievement stars. Yeah. Yeah. And so there, there's the Euro bit. You're still scoring points, but the way that you're doing it and the, like you said, the connection between the actions and what you're doing is so thematic and the well, reason. That's, yeah, that's, that's perfect transition because when we were talking about it before, I, I kind of held off because this is where I want to talk about it is that, uh, this isn't a, a you know a what is it multiplayer solitaire game 
you're paying attention to what everybody's doing and when they're doing it and being ready like that whole market build. If you're playing a big game, you better have some stuff kind of, you know, some, uh, some uh, uh, resources of gold, stone or clay because if somebody starts a build, you better be prepared to get in on it. And if, cause if you're not, then you're going to be behind that one star achievement. And that's, I mean, this game comes down to, you know, who, 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 like you said, it's, it's a race game. And a, nifty, and a nifty little rule that we didn't touch upon is that if your dice show the same number, you get to take yeah. multiple actions. Yeah. Now there's been an update um, to the rule set that if you're going to take that another action, you have to pay morale. Yeah, there's a very which, which is great because that was that that mechanic that if I have it and it's happened a, a quite a few times in our game on Saturday, um, Adam we were playing with, he rolled triples like a lot for some reason. Yeah, and the variant and, does yeah, like you pointed out in the rule book, the variant points out that it's going to cost you morale if you choose to play that variant. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so just the fact that if I have three of those resources and I've got three of the same, I could go boop, 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 and I've built a market. Oh yeah, by my like by myself almost. Oh, oh yeah, like th- I th- I think it's it's these tactical decisions. Yeah, I mean you could talk strategy all you want, but I think in this game it's the tactical decisions. That, that can happen on the, on the yeah, flip You can have your coin. long-term strategy, but yeah. you also got to be, like I said, you have to pivot. You have to swivel oh, on, what, on what your opponents are, are eventually doing. Oh, so yeah, I totally agree. Um, uh, I'm transitioning now into, into like the, the final stages of the evaluation of this game. And because I pointed out that this is one of the originals, this game sits proudly on my top shelf. Um, I would encourage anybody, if anything that we talked about this game, if you love Scythe, then, then I mean, you could back me up on this because you have Scythe. Um, this is uh, as, as deep, as delicious, and as different a game while still having that same DNA blueprint of Stonemeyer. Right. Yeah. No, this, this game, like if anybody actually knows who I am, all Stonemeyer games that I encountered end up usually on my top shelf and, <laughs> and right this, is, this so. one this one's no exception this was my first um taste of stonemeyer games and jamie stegmeyer's designs you showed me this game <laughs> um i got i got hooked immediately i'm like Ooh, this thing is juicy this is it's filled with interesting decisions it's engaging we mentioned about that the suggested time frame of a game it still it doesn't feel like <laughs> no like, yeah. the games will go longer like we're, we played our game on saturday it was about a two-hour game but it didn't feel like two hours no no that's a beauty yeah and because the turns can be snappy like it's going boom 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 at times and when somebody does have ap a little bit they're not sitting there for five no minutes or anything like that it's like they're staring at it it's because the turns have been going so quickly when somebody pauses for like a minute to think about oh. what they're going to do. It feels like an eternity. And well, and also too, the, uh, it freaks me out when someone pauses because all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 no. You're off the script that I had in my head. Something crazy is going to happen. <laughs> don't oh, yeah. do what Donnie don't does. Don't do what Donnie don't does. Please don't do Donnie don't does. 
Oh yeah. When, when, when it starts to go click, 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 and then it pauses and, and that you skip that beat, you kind of go, whoa, 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 whoa. what Stop. are you doing? Yeah. Everybody, everybody lifts their head and is like, whose turn is it? Your turn? Why are you taking so long? <gasps> and then everybody has that little kind of micro panic attack. Is, and then you start counting stars. Okay, okay, okay. Who's getting close? Who's getting close? Yes. Yeah. And oh, then of, yes. course, of course, there's everybody kind of does the whole Excel spreadsheet in their head and goes, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. The, oh, stop, stop bumping Norm's pieces. He's, oh, he's got... <laughs> He's going to have this in the bag in like yeah. three turns. Don't you want to tunnel? You want to tunnel one more. You should tunnel. Yeah, tunnel. <laughs> Kick my guy out of there. Uh, All right. So I've talked enough about Euphoria. Um, I just can't encourage anybody to play it. First of all, if you have any opportunity, play this game. Now, on to Wingspan. Caca! Caca! <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah, so we're going to go from one Stegmeier design to a Stonemeyer game published because this one's not designed by Jamie Stegmeier. Um, Wingspan, which just came out this past year, um, is published by Stonemeyer Games, but it's designed by Elizabeth Hargrave. And so I believe she has a couple of designs. This was kind of like her first like major mm-hmm. design that got like the light shone on it. Um, artists are accredited to Beth Sobel, Natalia Rojas, and Anne Maria Martinez Jarmillo. I think I got that right. Well Whew. done. Well done. Thank you. I'm here all week. <laughs> so in Wingspan, I'll read you the overview because it's not much of an overview. It kind of pretty much sums up the whole <laughs> game for us. It's about birds. <laughs> so you are bird enthusiast, actually. <laughs> Researchers, bird watchers, ornithologists, collectors, you're seeking to discover and attract the best birds to your network of wildlife preserves. Each bird extends a chain of powerful combinations in one of your habitats, which are our actions. And these habitats focus on several key aspects of growth. We have the forests, which help you gain food tokens. We have the grasslands that help us lay our eggs and using eggs. And we have the wetlands, which allows us to draw from hundreds and hundreds of unique bird cards and play them. There's the overview of Wingspan. (laughs) The game mechanisms that are inside of Wingspan, we're probably thinking about that this has got a little bit of hand management. It's a card game at its core. Yep. So there's a little bit of hand management. There is some resource management. Um, But at this core though this is an engine building and i also put here it's mixed with some action programming as well because the order in which you put your birds down on the board uh, it actually ends up mattering in in, in the long run absolutely how do you win a game of wingspan norm (laughs) yeah the most points you get the most points of course, it's not having the most birds or anything like that. No, it's still a Euro at its core. You got to score some points. I thought it was about the birds. It is about the birds. <laughs> Duh, birds. Duh, birds. <laughs> so how does Wingspan play? Well, over the course of Wingspan, you're going to be taking a lot of actions to trigger effects on one of those three habitats that, uh, that we mentioned earlier, like the wetlands, the grasslands, and the forests. And there's also an action where you actually have to take to, you know, play the birds. Um, 
when you actually go into one of these habitats, you actually have to put one of your little action markers. And I've got the upgraded version with the little bird meeples <laughs> that replace the cubes. So, so beautiful. Um, but you take your little action marker and you got to go to the first empty space in that habitat. You put your little action marker down and you do what it says. If it's in the, if it's in the forest, you're going to take dice out of that resource tower and you're just going to gain some resources. Um, if it's in the grasslands, well, you're going to put eggs out on the board. And if it's in the wetlands, you're going to be drawing new cards into your hand. Then what you have to do with your action marker is that if there's birds in that row, you're going to move your action marker to the left. And if the bird has an activate power on it, you're going to activate that power. Do what it says, move the little bird meeple to the left some more until it falls off the edge of the, the, the playing area. That's one of your, that's one of your turns. It's really quite, it's really quite simple. Your earlier turns are very simple because there's not very many birds in your, in your rows at the very beginning of the game. Actually, probably not even for the first two rounds or so. There's not that many birds yeah, it's pretty in, 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 a, in, in a row. Um, there's quite a bit of information on a bird card. So I'm just going to kind of go over what a bird card looks like. So it has the amazing artwork. Oh, like Smithsonian uh, level. And yeah. every single card is unique. It's a different bird on every single different card, which is fantastic that they were able to pull that off production-wise. Um, so every one of these cards, though, has the bird, has what habitat that bird can live in. So that just kind of dictates which row you can actually play that bird into. Um, some birds have, can live in multiple habitats. Um, and what that bird eats and that's kind of signified that's the cost that you have to pay to play down that bird so like some birds will only require berries and fruit some birds might require a combination of rodents worms and fruit and so there'll be some sort of combination of, of a cost that you have to play that card um, the wingspan is listed on the card which is hey, a homage to the the title of the game but that's only just going to come into play on certain bonus scoring cards or yeah. some certain card effects will actually refer to the card, uh, the bird's wingspan. Um, every bird card is worth points uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere between zero to like, I've seen bird cards worth nine points in this game. Um, what kind of nest the bird has again, that only is used for like certain um, round and bonus scoring, how many eggs the bird can have on it, like the size of its nest. And finally, the ability of the bird itself has, is, is printed on that card. So a card conveys a lot of information, but it's not overwhelming. No, not at all. I think the, no, the graphic all. layout was really nice. I mean, it didn't, like you say, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of visual confusion at all. Yeah, like I list off a lot of things. But it is one, oh, yeah. two, three, four, five, six. I list off seven things that are on this card, but it's yeah. not anywhere near um, like AP inducing, oh, I've got to read this card. Oh, it's very, so it's very soft and very pleasant in, in regards to its uh, display, yeah. So now the bird card's abilities, like there's a whole bunch of different abilities that a bird card could have. The main one that we'll, that we'll probably be talking about is the activate, like the brown banner yeah. activate effects. Because when those get activated, when the little action marker enters that space, um, the brown banner is going to do a lot of different things. Like if it's on here, you may gain some food. You might get to put some eggs out. You might get to draw some more cards. You might have to end up what's called tucking a card, which is like putting a card from your hand underneath that card. And that's going to be worth points at the end of the game. 
There's predator actions, which allow you to roll dice and see if you actually catch some food. Or you just might catch some food. It, we didn't actually have this happen in our game, but there's some effects that allow you to catch food and put the food tokens right on the cards. You can't spend it, but it's going to be worth points for you at the end of the game if you're yeah. able to do that. Other effects are like, hey, when you play this card, you might get to do something like draw new bonus cards or play another card or get some food. There's between turn actions. So there's some birds that say, hey, as long as this is in my tableau, if my opponent or one of my opponents does this, I'm going to get something, which is kind of neat. And then there's just some birds that they just simply just don't do anything. <laughs> They're just worth points at the end of the game. I finally, I, I find typically these are those, those like seven, eight, nine point yeah. bird cards. They're just like the big old lugs that what? really don't do much. Like, like a lot of the games that have those kind of card point things, it costs you a lot of resources, but you, you get the point value at the, basically you're buying some points. And so you're going to do a number of actions. And then at the end of the round, there's uh, four rounds in this game. And at the end of every round, you're going to do some end of round scoring, which um, can be anything. There's little tiles that, uh, that yep. are predetermined. And even the board itself, it's double-sided. You can play a friendly variant where everybody can score some points based on the criteria. Or you can have a competitive variant where whoever has the most of that certain criteria is going to get more points than the next person. Um, we played the friendly variant on this, on this game. Um, but there's a whole bunch of these tiles and they can be anything from like, Hey, how many birds do you have in a habitat or how many eggs do you have? Or how many birds of a certain nest and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And I like the variability of it too. Yeah. And then finally, the, there's the engine building aspect of this game because in the first round you get eight actions, you have eight action markers that allow you to do all your various things, playing the bird cards and doing all those other um, effects. But then after a round, you have to give up one of your scoring markers to, or one of your action markers to do the round scoring. So now in the second round, I only have seven actions. Yeah. I th I Third that... round, you only have six actions. And then the last round, yeah. you only have five actions. Yeah. I thought that was very cool. Hopefully, in the hopes of, yeah, you only got five actions that last round, but hopefully you've built up a, a little bit of a tableau that can run in it. So like one action is actually going to do a whole bunch of stuff for you. Yeah, Hopefully, if you've yeah. planned right. Well, then that's that programming thing you were talking about, too. Yeah, because when you do it, it has to trigger in that order that the birds are in in that row. Yeah. And I like it that there's actually some birds that refer to um, if this card is the last card in the row, or if this is the furthest to yeah. the left, or this is the furthest to the right. Yeah, I had a card. Something. Yeah, I had a card that was, if this is the first card in the row, you get to move it to another row. And, and I kind of caught myself going, oh, no, I don't want him to move. He's in the perfect spot so I can get more resources. And, but that was my first learning game. So it was awesome. Yeah. And so then, yeah, you're going to do this for four rounds. And at the end of the game, you're going to score some points. You're going to score a buttload of points for a lot of different things, like your birds on, on, in your tableau. Each of, them have a, uh, each of them have a point value. Um, you have bonus cards that are dealt to you at the beginning of the game. And there's actually some birds that allow you to get more bonus cards. These can do a whole bunch of, these can actually swing oh, yeah. the um, end result if you're actually pushing towards trying to meet those, those goals. Um, we got those end of round scoring that I mentioned earlier. You're also going to get points for any tucked cards, any food on cards, and every egg 
that's on a card at the left over at the end of the game, those are all worth a point each. Whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. And in our case, if it's tied, <laughs> whoever has the most food resources left over um, wins, wins the game. And you won on the tiebreaker. Well, there was an asterisk too, just because of the whole missed card. Oh, we had, we, we had one, one misplayed card yeah. that yeah. I was a care bear and said, don't worry, it's a learning <laughs> game. We'll, we'll just say that you actually did this instead. Yeah, well, the fact that it was a learning game was an asterisk right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it did miss up my perfect. I, I have not lost Ooh. a game of Wingspan before Ooh. ever. The challenge is on. I know, and, I, and I've played this like buttload of times already. Well, and to me, that says a lot right there because you have a lot of games that still need to get to the table that are still and in this shrink. this one still gets played. So, okay, segue. Opinions segue. and conclusions. Opinions. Okay, let's go outside in. Box art. Amazing. Period. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. On. <laughs> That's Sobel art. Awesome. It should be in like atlases, right? And encyclopedias. Oh, the, the, yeah, the, there's going to be a reason why this game is talked about for a long time. And a lot of the highlight points is that artwork. Oh yeah. That, that got, that got portrayed. And like, this is that this is the same, one of the same artists that does art on the new edition of one of the games that we love to play, which is called Arboretum. Yes. And the Arboretum cards, those trees that she drew are just, Oh, mwah, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Okay. Um, box. Yeah. Amazing. Standard ticket to ride size box, so it fits in with lots of my other games that are on my shelves. <laughs> Rule book. Oh my gosh. This thing is gorgeous. You, oh, got, you, you got the feel. I, there's not been too many rule books that you've handed to me go, just, just, feel the, just feel the outside, man. Just feel the outside. It's like, and, you're <gasps> like, and, you're, and you're like rubbed it and you're like, I want to make a pillow. Oh yeah. This. Oh yeah. My brain, all the tactile re receptors in my brain just fired off like a fireworks, man. It was awesome. I know. And on the other side, this is a fantastic rule book. There, there's no issues with it at all. You, you, you'll read it once and you'll got this gameplay um, down solid. And this is coming from two teachers. So for us to say that this, this, you know, conveyance of your information is awesome. And, and that's my, general consensus about all rule books that have um that stonemeyer games have published i haven't had an issue with one rule book yet yeah, yeah. like they they, they, they do their they do their homework make sure that things laid out well the graphic design is amazing it's all functional that yeah i'm done i'm done with the rule book it's great it's fantastic okay this is a fantastic game to introduce to new people into the hobby Absolutely, 100%. And even, even like a hobby, like people in the hobby. I mean, I, I, I had so much fun. I had, it was again, one of those, you've never played this game. And um, uh, I had so much fun. Like I, I would easily play this game again. Right. right now. Yeah. And I, I say this is for new people because this really um, introduces in a nice, light way of that resource management and that engine building, combo building. Um, aspect without being a mean game like there's not yeah. there's no like attack cards yeah like there everything is kind of like usually if it's interacting with your opponents it's because your opponents are going to get something because i've played this card or something along yeah. those lines which the mean aspect for me says i'm not going to play that card <laughs> and uh, 
<laughs> and like you said, it's a good a good intro game um, for right. the fact that that the it's it's intuitive. Like once you start playing and you start paying attention and you start seeing the connectivity, it 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 starts to yeah. speak to you on on what yeah. what you should do with your assets and what you should do with your resources and. Yeah. yeah, like I, I mentioned, I mentioned this game now with the same enthusiasm that I say with like gizmos. Like this game will get compared to gizmos a, a, a bit because of the engine building mm-hmm. um, nature of the game. Um, the latest acquisition, Fantastic Factories. Yeah, that that. Um, I would say this is the step above those games. Yeah, um, this has got a little. This one's got a little bit more going on, and it's got I, a little like bit more saying, meat on the bones. Yeah. And by a little bit more meat than bones, this is still a fairly light game. It's still going to be very accessible for a lot of people. Like if you're going to go above and beyond wingspan, like you're starting to get into like, um, like the, like the terraforming Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a very involved. This isn't going to crunch game. your brain by any means, but it's going to be, there's still lots of interesting decisions yeah. to make. Yeah. So, um, as, as as you said, like there's a lot of people that have reviewed Wingspan before we have, and before people have, like this game has hype around it, and for very good reason. This is a very good game. It's been it's a solid design. Everything is so smooth. Like they took their time, and it paid off in dividends. Like and the- Jeff has a hard time keeping this on his shelf. Oh yeah, the store goes through these copies. Yeah, absolutely. Like he just got his biggest shipment in just like recently. Like if you're listening to this, like you can go to amazing stores. I actually, I don't even know now because black Friday sales just happened. Yeah. yeah. Everything in the store was 20% off. I don't even know if he has any wingspans left. And and you know what? It just occurred to me. I think what I appreciate the most about this game, and like you said, it's light. um, It's still interesting, but I think what I appreciate the most of it is uh, uh, the level of, of intelligence around this game that like from the we're both teachers right so like on the card it showed you you know globally where the habitat was there's so much um kind of like meta knowledge that you can soak up as you're playing this game and it doesn't force it on you it doesn't it's just this very passive learning that's going on as you're playing this game and i think to me that is so appealing i mean like my my teacher brain's going off going how could i incorporate this feel system idea graphic art layout of the card in an assignment in in one of my classes right because there's just this beautiful um seamless intelligence that goes on behind the game yeah i have a a short little story i was at the dragon's den games um not too long ago just kind of walking through the store just kind of eyeballing a few things doing my pre-black friday um window shopping um, and there were some people that were actually in there um, looking specifically for Wingspan. And I kind of heard this. I walked over. And I said, hey, have you, have you actually played Wingspan before? It's a pretty good game. They had actually no idea what the game was. They just had heard about it. Uh-huh. They, weren't, they weren't hobby gamers. gamers. Yeah. They said, oh, we just heard about this game. We just wanted to check out what it is. And we saw that it's actually on the shelf. And so I went into Stonemeyer mode and pumped up the game a little bit and described it. They're like, okay yeah this is something that i think we would really really like because they never even like they're only introduced the only games that they've played were they mentioned we play ticket to ride we play Catan. like we, we we've talked about this before we've seen these gamers but then their next step was going to be to wingspan 
which is awesome. Yeah. It's Nothing bringing more people. Like I said, I've mentioned this before. This game is quite a bit lighter than what I enjoy in a game nowadays, but I still really appreciate what this game does and is doing for this hobby. Right now, if you were to go look it up on Board Game Geek, it is ranked number 30 overall, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I've got opinions about the BGG rating scale. And yeah, everything. that's a complete, but I mean, still, it's, it's but if you're in the top attracting attention if you're, to the If hobby. you're in the top 100 games of what people are talking about yeah. and generating conversations about, that's a big deal. And it's not even been out for a year. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I think is comparable is when Terraforming Mars came out, that it was like, yeah. it popped on the radar and it stayed there. Right. And for Gloom, good, for good reason. Right. And Gloomhaven did the same thing. Yeah. 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 So. Well, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's transition that into game system. Does, does it all work? Does that, is it so, jiving with you? So it, overall, this is an abstract view of like bird watching, bird collecting, like this, you could have done this with a number of different themes, but it really works with what they did here. Mm-hmm. So definitely it connects. They, what they tried to do with the bird theme, which is very unique. I don't own, this is the only bird <laughs> game that I own. Probably the only bird game I will ever own. Um, on, on that note, what they did with it and how they incorporated it. Yeah, they, they turned an app. They actually gave an abstract game a theme. <laughs> which is, I would say, very hard to do. Which is very well, opposite of Hansa Teutonica. Over, <laughs> overall, though, do I feel like a bird watcher? Not really, but I have a lot of fun doing it. Like, and like I said, too, coming back to that whole, I did some bird watching in my hand. I didn't even know that, you know, a certain bird did oh, this or a certain bird did that. Was, the yeah. deck of cards is so huge. Like, you don't go through nearly like a quarter of that deck. Then this is bird watching I don't mind doing. So, yeah. Uh, over overall, if I were to actually play places on my shelf, like I say, I have a good track record of putting Stonemaier games on my top shelf. This one's sitting in that 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 area between the middle and top shelf. Cool. If you were to ask me this when I first got the game, I probably would have said this is middle to bottom shelf. It's not doing very Ooh. much. Inter- this was not doing very many interesting things. I play games that do these things better and everything. It's really growing on me. Are you saying this is trying to climb to the top shelf? This is trying to come up with it's a it's brothers and sisters. <laughs> hey, make room uh, of the of the other Stonemeyer game family. Just a little bit of my thing. Like I have all my Stonemeyer games on like one shelf, just because of my organization um, feeling better everything. But if I were to do that hierarchy, yeah, this is now middle creeping up higher to the top shelf. It, we, I can play this with so many different people. And that's why it gets played so often. I don't think I, is, people turn this game down. No. And like I say, hey, do you guys want to play a game about bird watching? Some people really don't really like it. Like, <laughs> they kind of give you like the, 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 the eyebrow, like, really? And I'm like, oh, no, don't worry. I've got you covered. This is a good game. And then bird when we watching. play it... And then when we play it, and then when we play it, they're like, yeah, yeah, that was, that was fun. That was good. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm not even going to argue or say anything. It's awesome. So, yeah. So I got to introduce you to this on Saturday and I was actually like, Norm has to play this at least once. I I have no idea if he's going to love it or hate it. (laughs) I'm still 
Okay, no hate it, no love it, but it's one of those yeah, you were thinking yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, it, it it's it's like okay, I want to I want to play this again and see what else it it delivers. Yeah, but, you 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 were thinking about it afterwards. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it caught, so it caught your attention. Oh yeah, because the synergies of the birds, like you're not even gonna, you can play this game over and over again, and you're gonna get new synergies. You're gonna see new combos, new order of operations to do. And uh, is there an expansion? There is. There's the European expansion right now, which is um, the European birds. Oh wow, cool! And, and uh, yeah, apparently there's some new there's some new mechanisms, there's some new synergies between those cards. They recommend you playing with only just the European birds, so you get those synergies. So like you either play with oh, like yeah. the base game. Base game is just North American birds. Yeah, um, you can mix it, I guess, if you really wanted to. I haven't played it yet because I've been told that that's what the Christmas gift my kids are getting me. <laughs> Daddy has to hold off. So, uh, uh, so it's just gonna sit there and taunt me. I know where I know where it is. <laughs> See, when you Dude. say taunt, all I can think of is like a Frenchman sitting in the corner with a cigar, going, "You looking at me?" <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, "Do I do I open it and then just re-shrink wrap it for Christmas?" Yeah, yeah, that'll work. But our friend Adam said that, hey, he's got the European expansion already in his base box. So he's like, if I ever want to play with it, I can do that. <laughs> uh, you can wait. So I sure can, because there's lots of games I should be playing. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, I think we, uh, I think we flushed out both those uh, titles pretty good. Any I, closing I thoughts? So. No, these are both fantastic. We're fan. We're Stonemeyer fanboys. So oh, yeah. take take our opinion with a grain of salt. But there, there, there's a reason why these games are, are still see regular print runs and publications. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Try both these games and then leave it to yourself to decide if you want to own them. But yeah, you totally should try these games because then you're gonna get sucked into. You're gonna go get scythe. <laughs> you're gonna go get oh. viticulture. Oh yeah. Cool. Well, you get Charterstone. <laughs> I should just fade the episode out as you're just listing all these games <laughs> between two cities. Uh, so that uh, I'm no between two castles of Mad King Ludwig, <laughs> and he was Ryan, uh, and I'm Ryan, really the Stonemeyer fanboy. Uh, and uh, we will catch you later. Kaka. We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. Our Facebook page is Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community. And on Board Game Geek, guild number 3039.